Before we get into it, I need to remind you that I've got a Patreon. If you don't know what that is, it's where people can support their favorite content creators. And it's where I can basically create premium and behind the scenes content to help traders profit more on their football index journeys and basically help them become better traders. If you go over to patreon.com forward slash FI guide, that's patreon.com forward slash FI guide, you can basically check out the four different tiers on offer. Three pounds basically gets you the early access to the podcast and also five minutes extra on every Sunday figcast out there. The five pounds offer gets you a monthly blog post and a monthly podcast from myself private to those patrons only the eight pound tier gets you access to the fig discord which is a place where some of the best traders on the platform hang out and chat and uh, it's it's really awesome really enjoy it in there and the 12 pound tier gets you access to fig webinars which is where all the juicy stuff is that is where people guests or myself come and do a webinar every month for you know 45 50 60 minutes and last month's was by fi sigmund on the psychology of football index which i really really enjoyed and i'll definitely be putting out some snippets of that on youtube and such so do go check out the patreon p-a-t-i-e-o-n.com forward slash f-i guide here's the legal stuff from football index fi is a gambling product available to customers in certain territories aged 18 or over the content of this podcast has not been approved by football index but they do listen to the show to keep me on my toes please remember to only gamble what you can afford to lose be gambleaware.org and when the fun stops stop hello and welcome back to the figcast extra episode 43 for a very special episode as always joined by sporting panda how are you doing mate Good afternoon. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, coming to you, uh, yeah, live here from just outside London, and I'm doing well. We spoke to FI Lawyer, haven't we? And I can now play theme music weekly, so hmm. people can guess what that one was. Snippet, so I don't get sued snippet, by Spotify. Yeah, there's a fair the use copyright provision, so I can play about 15 seconds of a song without having um, legal action taken against me and you. So, yeah, I'm all good. Glandular fever has improved significantly over the last week. So, um, yeah, and pleased to have a special guest with us who can't stay away. Mm, mm. Uh, how have you been this week, uh, apart from the glandular fever? Doing, done anything exciting? Um, not really, no. I've been reading, as I say, I've been focused a lot recently on Asia. So I've been reading in Korea. This is quite an interesting point for you. that You can have someone that's two minutes old but they're technically two years old. And I think that's incredible. Yeah. In in South Korea, I'm led to believe that you turn one the minute you uh, are delivered out of the womb. And then you also add a year of age on the 1st of January each year. So like a calendar year. So if you had someone born at 2359 on the 31st of December, they would be one year, one year old as they were born. And then as you turn to the next calendar year, they turn two. So that's pretty good. So they start counting life. From Whoever's inside. listening, can someone please verify that? Because I'm raising my eyebrows all over the so shop here. Inside, so they start counting life inside the womb, which I think is pretty cool because that, well, I don't know. I, I need to hear people's thoughts on this. Also, uh, in Japan, um, KFC, can you guess when they sell most um, chicken, when they, when they have their highest revenue day? 
<laughs> honestly not no, even one christmas one. day really she's phenomenal yeah yeah okay. and then in china i've been studying a lot around the face technology they use so you can walk into shops now and pay for goods with your face mm. ai is really moving i've done that out there what you've done it i've in done London that or china in nano in helsinki what, they've got, oh, all right. I didn't know. I didn't know I Finland. This, were... uh, I was at this conference, and this company were trialing their face recognition payment thing. Oh, it's right. quite interesting. You, you went in with this this thing. Yeah. You got your scan, face scanned. You put money on your face, and then you go around paying with your face. Yeah. Well, I it's like any, anything for a simple life. And um, <laughs> and the other piece for you is probably I'm looking at a new desk chair. And if anyone's got a Herman oh. Miller, um, please let me know. Oh, okay. So, all right. Well, so there you go. Yep. So that's me. That's that's all. Fair play. Mm. Fair play. Asia, face recognition, chairs. That's that's a good way to wrap up. We're not alone. We're no. joined by a, a man coming on for his third Fitcast Extra appearance. ASP, how are you doing, mate? All good, thanks. Yeah, well, it's recently good. That period prior. <laughs> Very recently good, but recently bad. Yeah, recently good period prior to that, probably not so good. But yeah, it's all good now. <laughs> Can I share something on um, ASP that you may not want to know? So I've, I've been chatting to them a bit in the background over the last, well, get, to be honest, for a while. And we we discovered that we had a shared passion and love for wrestling in the <laughs> mid-90s. And the, the community... To my disgust and surprise. The, the well, community yeah. are going to be blown away by this. ASP's favourite <laughs> character is Goldust. I mean, that's Whoa. just, it shocked me. That is punchy. I'm not sure if I could go that far. Favorite. <laughs> For one of the most notable, definitely. One okay. of the most yeah, okay. to be honest, I, don't, I don't actually think there's any way back from that. To be honest. <laughs> what's the difference between the two wrestling federations? What, what oh, is, what's that all about? That's big. WCW, WWF. That was a big battle that went on for years between mm. uh yeah the juggernauts of the wrestling industry one led by vince mcmahon one led by i think eric ted turner. ted turner ted turner was uh, the owner of wcw yeah wcw invaded wwf um yep. and yeah all hell broke loose it was it was a, it was an epic sort of five ten year period that the golden era of wrestling and then eventually <laughs> wwf and vince mcmahon won for various reasons which you can study on youtube it's quite interesting the demise of wcw and then eventually Vince, uh, Vince McMahon bought WCW and brought the stars across. And ultimately now there's one main, it's a bit of a monopoly. Although there are a couple of other, I think TNA is around. I think there are a couple of smaller federations, but sadly I don't really watch wrestling anymore. So it's kind of like a fake version of what actually happened with the NBA and the other basketball league back in the day. Wrestling is fake and I was going to have to have a go at you there because... <laughs> It's kind of what I said, but let's move on. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk. Let's move on. We're going to talk a little bit about the football that's that's just preceded us because um, some big takeaways, and I think they're going to be good jumping off points as well to discuss some of the things that have brought to a lot of traders' attentions recently. But we'll start off with the Champions League fixtures of Tuesday and Wednesday just gone. Uh, Panda, what were your highlights? Your headlines? Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. I- in Italy, I've taken note. I watched a little bit, or well, quite a bit, of Inter versus Torino on, I think that was Saturday. And Inter came back from 2-0 down at home to win 3-2, a late Lukaku penalty. But there's something just not quite right with Inter in terms of their pressing. And um, that followed through to midweek, where they, I thought they were really quite disappointing against mm, Madrid. Really poor. Um, 
And so Inter are kind of on a down. That jumped out to me quite a bit. Um, and then also Juventus. You know, I watched them play. Obviously, they were 1-0 down to... Now, this is going to be a bit dodgy. Ferron... Uh, Ferron... Ferron... <laughs> Uh, which is a little bit of a dodgy pronunciation. And I just thought, yeah, Pirlo and Juve, they just don't look quite right to me. And it reminds me of a team. I'm not saying the Cristiano Ronaldo signing was significant for the demise of them, but it was kind of like um, trying to sort of... Van Persie, when he signed for United, like a desperate mm. roll of the dice at the back end of an era of dominance. Um, one final push to to get obviously the Champions League, but I don't think they've really ever kicked on, and I still don't think this team's as good as the one with Pogba, Pirlo, Vidal, Marquisio, mm. Tevez, Morata. Um, I think Morata was there at the time, so it was kind of quite sad to see. I think those two clubs are kind of on a bit of a downward slope. I'm not sure long how long Conte will last, um, and equally with Pirlo. Um, so watched mainly those two Italian clubs. Um, probably the other big headline for me was was Dortmund. Um, obviously Sancho uh, took took a free kick I thought technically that that was excellent and Haaland just I don't know continues to blow me away and I, I remember saying to people you know Haaland has got this this drive and this I don't know the the ego and the attitude and I've spoke before on this podcast around how he handled dishing out the FIFA cards and the rankings you know amongst amongst his club mates how he <laughs> I laid... really laughed at you I know you love but it's just something about it's you know how I obsess Absolutely. And even when he moved from Salzburg to Dortmund and his dad was prancing around and they showed at the airport, where's our destination going to be? You know, putting pressure on that move. And for him, just slot into the Bundesliga and let's be honest, completely tear it up. There's just a drive that he adds such a cutting edge he has to that team. And it's no surprise when he went off, the whole game kind of collapsed because he wasn't demanding the ball. There wasn't those runs in behind. And he just looks special to me. And I guess I'd like to ask both of you, really, like, uh, if you had to say now who has a better career, Mbappe or Haaland, is that a, a couple of years ago or a year ago, people would have said that's a silly question. Do you think that's a legitimate debate now? Yeah, I do. I said, I've been saying mm. to people for a while, I think mm. Mbappe's development in the last 12 to 18 months has stalled. Uh, mm. And I think in, when you're talking about mentality, for me, he's taken on more of a sort of Neymar approach to football. Uh, rather when he when he had more of a Haaland or Ronaldo type approach in terms of absolute you know, ruthlessness. So I think it's still there for him, but I think playing at PSG doesn't help and you know everything that's happened there in terms of the level. But he needs to, I think, get back on track. And if he does, I'd say he still has all the ingredients to be, you know, the the heir. But at this moment in time, I think Haaland with his mentality um and and his goal scoring, I think for me, I, I actually place him just above not in terms of talent, but in terms of, you know, who will have the better career right now. Mm. When I when I think about that, I still think Mbappe, technically, and in terms of shot creation, can offer more. I saw a decent graph put together this week in terms of shots, shot volume created per 90. And Messi was sort of head and shoulders in Europe. Sancho was there. But Mbappe off the dribble and off of passing was also extremely high. And obviously that's, I do think he has the edge on Haaland there, but finishing wise, it's not close, is it, Fig? No. I mean, both, I mean, I just don't see it being close. Haaland is absolutely obscene. Just before, I, I just said before, it this, Fig, sorry, on, I think Haaland, the one stat I saw was, I think he's had like 91 shots and 70 goals. On, on, on target. Fa- I think that's a fake shot. It's a fake stat. It's is a, it fake a fake stat. stat? Okay. Yeah, yeah, fake stat. Fake stat. 
<laughs> believable. It, it, That's why believable. The, the crazy thing is that it's believable because he's that good, right? So um, what I was going to say is I put in the Discord maybe, I think maybe three or four weeks ago, the, the fig Discord, of course, always plugging it. But I said, I think Haaland's a top five finisher in the world. And I've got a few eyebrows raised. And now if you said Haaland isn't a top five finisher of the world you'd probably be laughed at um but he is just a phenomenal finisher i think his movement's the best i've seen in a long long time i think his he's got the best movement in football i think he's the best finisher in football at the moment i think he's a top five finisher overall um but i do think that i think we said on the podcast a while ago panda how there isn't that many good under 23 number nines and why the likes of victor osman have gone for quite a lot of money if you look at that list on transfer market or whatever you see valuations of players, Haaland is so much better than everyone else on that list. It's not even the joke. And to be doing what he's doing at 19, when a Lewandowski wasn't even in Germany yet, and uh, a Suarez was doing whatever he's doing and, uh, you know, X, Y and Z player. The only player I can think of really, I mean... Aguero and Benzema have had kind of like good longevity playing from that kind of like yeah, and, and, young age and, I would and doing also, really well for a long time. I would also say Fernando Torres and Cunaguero yeah. were good at Atletico at a very yeah, yeah, young yeah. age. And obviously one of them was, were they both captains? I think Torres captained Atletico when he was under. But, ju- but just before, but just before we move on, I think people do actually underestimate Bappe's career achievements already. So if we actually think about him winning a World Cup as the best player in a team at 19, remarkable. And being the third top scorer, if I think I'm correct, um, I thought he was the best player in the tournament because, you know, as ASP loves impact over volume, I think he did the most impactful things along that tournament. Um, He also won the, the league in a very PSG dominated league with Monaco, which I think is a remarkable achievement as well. And he was one of their focal points and best players. And he's obviously won a lot of trophies so far with Mbappe uh, with uh, PSG and if I look at where he's probably going to go next whether it be Real Madrid or Liverpool or where stay at PSG he's probably going to win a lot of trophies along his career and be in the top 10 Ballon d'Or rankings for the next however many years so I think Mbappe will probably have a better career the worry I have about Haaland is could he actually end up at a team and be the second best player in that team? So could you envision Mbappe and Haaland going to Real Madrid, for example, and Mbappe being the main man and Haaland being the secondary wheel to that panda? I'm not sure is the honest answer to that. I, I can't, in what sense are you kind of, where are you, what's the argument? You're saying if he's, if he's technically playing second, you know, inferior and, and potentially playing second fiddle to Mbappe, that will have an impact on his career. Um, well, I, I think like... Because with I the ego he's at... got, I'm not sure he'd put himself in that position anyway. Mm. You know, I wonder if Mbappe went to Madrid next summer or maybe the summer after. Um, I do think whether he would choose another club in, to be the, the main Premier man. League, to be fair as well, Haaland. Um, I think he likes the bright lights. I think he wants he wants that Premier League move and his mm. English is good. Mm. Um, he's already done the whole marketing thing around making his, his name a bit easier by removing uh, some some accents and I think uh, doesn't use Brout that much. Mm. So mm. I, I think that's that's um, definitely his move. And I think, as we've discussed, Mbappe probably goes to Madrid. But Panda, any more headlines? Uh, from, pro- from the no, they're probably the main three for me. What about you? Did you anything stand out to you? Um, I, what games I did you watch? Bit, bit of Dortmund. I watched a bit of the... I watched a bit of the Madrid and Inter game. I watched a, a bit of the Gladbach game a, a, again yesterday. Um, 
I thought United were interesting again. Bruno continuing to do what what he does. I think he is he's the best signing I think United have had since Van Persie that you mentioned. Yeah, he's it, just it, phenomenal. It's really interesting. I don't know. I wonder what ASP thinks here because for me, I I'm not sure Bruno. I don't know if you buy him if you're at the very top of club football and no. looking to win the Champions League. But That's a good it, point. if you're a club like United who are kind of trying to break back into that top four and you're lacking character and a kind of talisman, I just think it's an incredible purchase. But I'm still not sure Bruno is at the very, very top of world football and he can get there. I think he has limitations to his game. He's a rung below. What about you, ASP? What what do you think of that take? Yeah, I think he stands out in a United team that has a dearth of of quality and especially creative output. Um, and obviously because of that, he sees the ball all the time because you obviously you want him on the ball all the time. Um, I think, yeah, it's hard to know. I think I could see him potentially in a better team, um, you know, in a free creative role. Again, he still has, I think, talents and qualities, which, you know, his long-range shooting ability, not many players in today's game, I think, do necessarily have um, his ability from free kicks. But... Yeah, I'd say certainly on the other side, he, I don't know whether it's a Man United style thing or just his decision making, you know, he obviously plays a lot of speculative balls, you know, and this is something that happens when you try to play high risk balls, but his his actual ability to execute them sometimes is, is actually not very good. Um, and that's wasteful. But again, you know, these things are obviously team dependent. I think it would be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, certainly stands out because he's in quite a poor team. And from an index point of view, every he's so capable of game-winning goals, winners. The media just attaches to him. You know, he's a very lucrative. It's the talisman old. effect, isn't it's it? It's the talisman effect, the Bruno effect. Then even the I don't, the name has a bit of a ring to like Bruno. And, you know, <laughs> a lot of United fans want him as captain. I just think um, you know he is an outstanding hold in terms of he's going to pick up a consistent stream of dividends. It's very hard to keep him out of the spotlight because of his style of game. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's the the types of goals he scores just as much of the volume he scores them in that do attract the media attention, don't they? Or they will eventually. Yes, yes. And an old, oh, a, lo- a long lost love of the index, Ryan Gravenberch scored his debut Champions mm. League goal last night. And um, mm. very interesting very that goal. those non-PB players have taken, I would suggest a bit of a natural drop off because of the risk attached to them. But um, that's something we can maybe talk about later. But that was the probably mm. Champions League yeah, wrap up for me in the headlines. Hmm. Um, I guess we'll move on a little bit here, ASP, and, and talk to you about what we've seen over the last 10 days. The last week of the Figcast Extra, we were quite, um, I don't even want to say negative or down. I guess it was just kind of realist or, or, or looking at what we currently saw, um, what we were seeing on social media, what we were seeing within the community. It was doom and gloom and how quickly things change. It's been literally a roller coaster ride so i want you to, to kind of tell us and tell the listeners about what you've kind of what your outlook has been over the last 10 days because i think you were definitely a shining light um and a positive voice when a lot of people were being potentially unreasonably negative and going a step too far yeah yeah it was it was obviously well i was gonna say interesting it was interesting but obviously it wasn't good for anyone really um i think for me personally, I, I mean, first thing was I tried to stay off um, until towards when I saw there might be something valuable to add social media quite a bit, other than sort of just a general, which was what I thought that regardless, um, 
you know, it would change at some point and that in the future, those that, um, and again, those that didn't, that's fine, but those that did decide to either, you know, stay or invest more, whatever it was, I think I thought in the long term, as I said, we'd be rewarded. But I think um, I definitely didn't expect it to change this quickly. And I think, um, but I also think, yeah, at a certain point, I just resigned myself to that that was just how it was. Um, and I think I can understand definitely some of the, I wouldn't even say negativity. I think probably last week we saw probably the worst ever sort of mood and aspects of everyone, not everyone, of a lot of people in the community, but as a whole, it's probably the worst it's ever been, but understandably. And I think there were, I think, aspects of that which were understandable. I think, again, back to three months ago, this is probably, and I said this to other people, I don't think, you know, even if I heard this, they would blame me for saying it, but I can't think of many things in my life that I've ever seen that I've seen done so badly with so much time to prepare. No, I'm not being, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that, you know, to, to dig, the, I'm just being objective. Like I, I genuinely think back to, and I'm obviously I'm not that old, so I haven't seen a lot, but I can't think of many things I've seen, which has been so important to, you know, a company with so much time gone in and handled and delivered so badly. And look, that, that just is what I'm saying. So it's gone now for me. That's not an issue anymore, but in terms of how people. And, and I think the bigger issue was that it wasn't just a one decision thing. It was multiple decisions. So I've kind of referenced, um, for example, Robin Hood, uh, the online brokerage, when they tried to expand into the UK, they did loads of launches and it failed. Didn't, didn't work for some regulatory reasons. They just didn't end up setting up shop in the UK. And that was that. But if you imagine a company doing that and then making another bad decision and then another bad decision and another bad decision, mm. we basically have something um, equivalent to what happened and, with F5. Really. And, and, and what I just want to say to echo ASP's thought is that I've been slightly up and down with them. I mean, I, I'm, I've drawn a line under it now. I'm moving on. I've always lauded the impact of order books and been very excited about order books. And obviously I've got a little bit of stick for that. But I think now we're starting to see some benefits, which ASP is going to go on and talk about. Looking back, for, for me... 2020 has it's a delicate year and all the books have been discussed now at football index for a couple of years at least i mean it was on a, a trader panel i know for a fact last october and we've seen screenshots going further back than that and i think the importance of the transition to all the books can't be understated and my my slight annoyance was that 20 to 30 percent of market liquidity was taken out i don't know the exact monetary amount and I just thought that it would be phased. So as FI stepped back from the market, liquidity or market makers would be introduced and you'd have that natural phase and smooth transition. And the fact that it was ripped out quite quickly, I do think had a devastating effect on the market. And then combined with some other decisions, i.e. keepers and, and what have you, which spread liquidity even thinner. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think it was handled well and we can't get away from that. And I think also the people that provided liquidity when it was ripped out were under the guise that liquidity was coming sooner when it when it didn't. Is I think another important piece of context, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. Um, the liquidity point. I think both of you had a spot on the liquidity point. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying this and I'm laughing because it's so obvious. But the liquidity point when you're delivering this is essential. I mean, it is it is the whole you know, that's the time at which you deliver it is when you have the liquidity to transition over. So, yeah, I, I don't need to say any more on that, but I think going back to what Panda said, I think then if that's not going to happen, 
you have to and again you can say this is maybe overly technical technical or too much too soon i don't think it is but you've got to provide the visibility so people can see that what is happening is not is not representative really of anything more than a few traders so you have to be able to see the depth to see that wall of shares way up at you know whatever it is 10 11 12 13 14 pounds and these trickle of shares going down and actually feel quite relaxed about it everyone can you know everyone in the community and nfi can actually point to something which shows what's happening which reduces the panic so if you don't even have mm. that with liquidity and just see the price falling Absolutely. i mean it's just uh, i mean that, it's exactly and people have said to me you know in dms oh, you didn't see this coming and you know oh you, you've stuck with all those shares and it's just it was very hard for me to envisage a launch of order books without liquidity but then obviously as, as ASPs just said, without the other tools you need to, to have vision and be cited as a trader, you know, it felt like the blind leading the blind. And I've said that on, on the Sunday when we had the market crash a few weeks ago, I haven't seen such a quick transfer from, from kind of, I don't know if dumb money, square money to sharp money is fair, maybe not, but fear in the index was, was rampant. And obviously last Thursday, Friday, Saturday, um, until it bottomed out, which obviously ASP can pick up on. I felt that, Again, we were going to have the same situation. And I feel I felt personally bad for the community and for those that, you know, haven't been able to phase in deposits and pick up the do- uh, the drops. And for those that have now run away from a glorious product because of some questionable decisions. And that's where but my also, frustration comes from. In the run up to adding depth and removing the uh, one penny offer increment thing, there were a lot of people who were kind of like, this is going to be negative in terms of the prices. Um, And there is some part of me where I'm like, if that many people could see it and if I couldn't or were okay with it, then that, you know, that raises some questions in my mind around just how they rip that plaster off. And also you should have kept the, you should have kept the dividend increase in your pocket as a tool to counteract that. Yep. 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 And Five times IPD. What do you think? I mean, I, I've said vocally, ASP, that when they introduced five times IPD, it blurred and smudged the impact of the dividend increase and it was lost. Do you think that, I don't know, do you agree with that, I guess is what I'm saying? Um, I, I guess I'm not sure. I guess, I guess, yes, in a way, I'm not, I don't, I don't know is the answer. I need, I need to think about it. Yeah. I think the other thing, the 5x in play, just while we're on the subject, I suppose, the 5x in play dividend thing to me was really confusing because it yet again re-emphasized this identity crisis that I think we've talked about quite a lot on the podcast. And for me, it was kind of like, well, you've just increased the long-term valuation uh, of a lot of players. You've also just given loads of values to keepers longer term rather than cyclical in play dividend value. And then you 5x the shorter term cyclical value to players and i understand they did it to add liquidity but and maybe mint some shares but i don't know it it seemed quite strange to me yeah i think my thoughts are probably i guess generally not don't necessarily have a problem with i think the timing basically how it happened about uh, around when it was then it felt felt a bit like crack cocaine and then the the crack cocaine's taken away i mean i'm not talking personal experience but the drugs take the drugs taken away and again, and everyone's you know, still coming off this high and probably a little bit on a downer from being on such a high that people aren't really getting back into the actual game. They're kind of, you know, there's like a cavern, like there's like a hole where IPDs used to be and people are kind of just 
there and not really getting back into the game, the normal game, if that makes sense. Because mm. it's mm. not as exciting. It's, the high is not as exciting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, getting us back on, on track to these last 10 days, I mean, you were looking at it from a slightly different way when you saw some of these prices go down. Um, do you want to go into that a little bit? Yeah. I think you did some good tweeting around the average price versus instant sell price or, or, or buy now price, which I yeah, thought was so really good. I just, I just happened to, just to finish off before, I mean, yeah, I was down. No, I was, I was down uh, you know, I was kind of realistic, but obviously not that happy with the situation. And then I just suddenly was sort of thinking about it and decided to look at these prizes and then I'll come on to that. But just to go back, I think as a result, I don't blame anyone that left. I mean, it was understandable. I feel bad for them and I feel bad and it's wrong that the way FO conducted themselves you know, for, for that to have happened. But I do also think in terms of the other stuff we saw in the community that it kind of showed a lot of you know, what people need to be aware of, which is that I think you need to be aware of who you follow, you know, where you're getting your info and advice from, you know, especially in the dark times, you know, were you following people who were calm-headed and were giving advice? Were you getting into like Twitter slanging matches and all that sort of stuff? And, you know, all that stuff contributes to how you see the platform. And, and I think the other thing as well is I saw a lot of people, again, I think overexposed, not knowing how FI works, not having even bothered to look at how FI works, you know, asking kind of basic questions and worried about their finance and all these, all these things. And I just think you, a lot of people, again, I understand what happened was bad and it shouldn't, but I also think at the same time, pe- some people need to take responsibility for the fact that they're putting money into something which is five years old. It's had teething problems. There are risks. We don't know a lot, a lot of information. And that situation, which did happen, I'm sorry to say, like I didn't think it would, but it could have happened to the worst possible extent. And, you know, some people could have lost all their money, myself included. I think, again, I just, I'd hope in future that we don't need to hear so much of, you know, a lot of the things we heard and people can take more responsibility and just, you know, be a bit more sort of sober about, 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 about the whole thing that they have their money in. But yeah, back to the point, I, yeah, I just happened to see that a lot of these average prices, I was thinking, you know, how much longer can these prices go down? You know, I, they went down way further. I bought, I bought in way too high on the downs, um, and you know, probably way too much money. And they kept going down, and they kept going down, and they kept going down. I was just thinking, hold on, something's not right here. Like, how much more can these generally keep going down? I think I said to someone that I thought name I would stop at five fifty, and I think he went down to four. So I ended up. Just I think you said that to me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I ended up just thinking that, so, and I was, and I was also just thinking, is there something I don't know or we don't know about how FIR? whether it was minting of shares, whether it was, you know, other mechanics, is there something hidden here that's actually just gone wrong? Because it seemed, there just came a point where it seemed, okay, this is just going down and down and down, something's not right. So I looked at the offer prices, the average ones, and then I thought, okay, hold on. If, if the offers are going down, then surely the average price should be going down. And again, I think this was really fundamental that in hindsight, FI should have told everyone about, which was that, and I know they introduced it, but they didn't really explain and educate the interrelationship and then i felt at one point when i saw the offers going down and the average prices staying the same i was thinking hold on that's like a positive thing and then when the average offers were ticking up but the displayed offers going down i thought okay hold on this could be something you know that we, we could be on the cusp of something and i didn't know but luckily that started happening with more players and then yeah here we are things turn Re- so interesting how because i was following asp and i agree 
the tweets and I, I um I see the point there around the the grey button and average offer price, but I wasn't too sure myself how many of those were left historically from passive traders. So I wasn't putting a, a load of value on them, but I agree. I, I think it was a good val- um like a good tool for traders. I was studying well, watching depth religiously, I guess Thursday, Friday and Saturday. And um yeah, I phased my top ups again. I went a little bit too early. Um I as people know rightfully or wrongfully i i based the market a little bit on on a handful of players and it was interesting watching them drop and the circuit breaker i was tweeting quite a bit saturday morning and, and the circuit breaker went on to sancho and then there were some bids that started arriving for him and i was amazed at how quickly a hint of fomo built up and people thinking sugar this is an opportunity too good to miss and then it snowballed and then i think we got through to sunday and then all of a sudden, you know, we've had some bad Sundays on Football Index with the Sunday sell-off, and that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy to me. But the fact that we had some stability Sunday bred more confidence. And then we went into Monday, and I think people were like, wow, we got through a weekend there without too much volatility. And then it snowballed again. And it's just been a really interesting week in terms of human psychology, the makeup of the index. I mean, I I personally had about five pounds as the bottom of where Sancho would reach. Um, he went lower than that. So again, I was probably a bit toppy like uh, ASP's mentioned, but it has been a fascinating week. And for me, all problems haven't been solved. Solved. Um, it's been a, it's been a great week. I think it's definitely a feather in, um, I guess, FI's cap. We've got some stability, but things are brittle and delicate. And I guess that's mm. what I'd like to urge as well. I mean, things went up very quickly. I don't envisage things going back down to the same extent, but God forbid we had a, a, a large injury at the top or something, then potentially we could see a little shake of the market again. And I think in a thin, immature market with a fairly immature user base, not everybody, but when when an immature minority of a user base or, or majority of the user base has a control and a power over prices like this, it doesn't take a lot. I mean, going back to last Thursday as well, just very briefly, when depth was first introduced, we had a little flurry of buying patterns. And then a wall got put up on Sancho. I think 300 was inputted at £8.50. And that spooked. And then all of a sudden, people were undercutting each other to get out in case that was the peak price. And things dropped. So it's not taking a lot here to manoeuvre prices around. But I guess that comes with a thin market. And I think it was just, it looked like there was manipulation probably at hand um and i think some of it may be intentional but some of it unintentional like i think the way that the bid zone has been contrived now that you know you can bring it all the way down to the bottom of it and then the, the bid zone moves down again well you, yeah I, you had a problem on. fig like on slack and on twitter you had a look people were getting rewarded for selling and buying back cheaper and until that vicious cycle was snapped mm. it was continuing there was no reward for topping up because everyone that was, you're like, well, I may as well sell because I know I'll be able to buy cheaper again on, on you know, the next 48 hours. I feel sad, but ultimately, eventually people were going to get burnt with that. And on Saturday, sadly, those that sold up at the bottom may have struggled to get back on or they may have left the platform now. Um, but before that point, people were yeah getting rewarded for, for selling and then buying back cheaper. Why do you think, ASP, it's turned this quickly i suppose i mean as pandas mentioned nothing has changed it's kind of brittle and, and, and built on sand perhaps the rise that we've had currently not to be a downer on it we, we want to be as positive as possible but you know it's changed so quickly and almost strangely um why do you think that's happened um and also i guess we can then start talking about like 
what bits FI need to then add on to this to continue this positive momentum and not let it drop? Yeah, I think um, probably linked to back what to link back to what I said before. I think a lot of people on FI again maybe aren't even sure about it, but they're kind of in it and they sort of have made a bit of money and it's largely sentiment driven for them. And so when the sentiment turns, like I said, they don't know what's happening. They don't know. They haven't satisfied themselves of like key reasons why they're in it. And so it's quite easy. Like you said, it's quite, it's quite like sand. It can just slip through the fingers very quickly. Um, and again, tied into that, I think is the lack of, I think it's related to I guess dividends and the dividend structure. I think people's maybe, maybe historical way of playing the game pre-order books you know not so much based on dividends and again just having money in there and certain players and obviously order books come in when things go down and things become become more dividend backed um it just creates a lot more confusion um and i guess that's why again for me it came back quickly because again it's weird i have a lot of people that i know that are on this that are reasonably smart and have a reason not maybe reasonable amount of a lot of money but a reasonable amount of money who even them the questions that i've got in the last three four three months have been i hope it goes back up like is it going to go back up and i think this again is just like a real big historical problem for fi which is that and i don't think the community's help which is just all the focus has been on and rightly so in some ways growth but just the way it's been sold has just been growth green rockets like not necessarily you know what what are the dividends what are the yields what are the trading patterns all this sort of stuff and i think a lot of people just had this constant growth idea you know not only recently because it has grown a lot but i think that's why it just went away and i think that's also why it came back because as soon as it started going up people thought it was going to keep going up so they came back in and now it's sort of settled and yeah i think i think that's why basically to be honest because it's not really i think a community and a trader base that is historically been based on 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 dividend yields and trading strongly agree with that um i think fear and greed drive the market and they have done and this is the jolt that i think we need to turn into more of a trading platform and think about dividends think about yield think about risk management portfolio management and all the tools we need to be successful traders and we've always spoken about the importance of valuing players clearly there's different methodologies out there but at least if you have a semblance of an idea about how you value your players you're less likely to panic in in bad times and you can think uh, with more clarity of thought yeah, and I think to SP's point around people not really knowing what they were doing to some extent on the platform and, and not really looking at the fundamentals and everything is is growth sentiment vision uh, driven and growth being a, a big part of that's kind of, I guess, shoveled a lot of people out of quite bad bets. We are in a situation, I think, that with the negative sentiment that we had, people when they don't have a solid grounded understanding of why they're on the platform or, or why their players are valuable as pandas alluded to you also start questioning like well what is this thing and, and where does it go and i think that's that's one of the reasons i posted the, the blog that i did this morning which is kind of about uh, it's titled um why football index is success waiting to happen um because those are those are my true beliefs right it was probably more maybe in some way for me rather than the community to just kind of because even myself during these like kind of three to six months where I'm like, so where are they actually going with this and what are they doing? And if I can kind of create a theory of value that I have for where I see this product going in the future and write that down, then it helps people. So be it. But I kind of just try to 
add a bit of perspective that I think a lot of people have lost during these harder times it, around what yeah. this thing could be in the future. But it is very hard when you... It's so, so hard. Listen, when you've been sent all-time profit emails... Quarterly, so hard. And you're told to look at an all-time P&L, and that's driven a lot of trading decisions and deposits. Now we've been told to look in a completely different direction without the necessarily the education to do that. I think that's that's been that's been tough on people, and that's why, yeah, we've we've obviously had sympathy for the situation and uh, we've questioned some decisions. But you know, I think we are most of the community are seem to be willing to draw a line. It's been a good week, and you know, I know me and you have been desperate to get ASP on because I'd like to talk about where do we go now. We've all got, I'm sure, three of us have got ideas around. How can the platform grow? Where does the platform head towards? What's its USP? How do they market this? And I guess that's where, you know, we can kick off next, maybe. Can I give one positive of what happened? Go ahead. Dividend-backed players. Like, actually, what I didn't like before was, you know, again, that I felt that this bubble of players that had never even played a game compared to the dividend returns. I think now what's great is we know we can have a platform that is genuinely, you know, dividend-backed. And... I don't think it's right in the way we'll probably touch on you know, the structure and the matrix, such as how those dividends are necessary portion. But the fact that that is the result, and now you know we have like a you know a real alternative asset class that's dividend back, and the market follows that, I think is great. Yeah, and I, I think we'll start on something that's been, I suppose, fueled to the results of Tuesday and Wednesday dividend structure. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> maybe even taking a step back, I was saying <sighs> to you, ASP. Uh, you know, sorry, Pandy, you didn't get your big win. But um, I was saying to you, ASP, I found it hilarious that Quadrado winning was what I guess put over, like, nudged people over the fence when their first thought should have been like, "Well, actually, hang on, he's the defender," <laughs> which I, which I just found ridiculous because I was like, "Well, you know, there are so many reasons for why you might want to change and tweak the dividend structure for the betterment and expansion of the platform to re- to fulfil its its full potential, especially in an order book system, which I think it has more, um, it has more benefits to it than it did previously without an order book system." But for me, that the first and foremost, maybe small part was like the positional changes i think need to be looked at again by fi there's three aspects there's the dividend in my view i don't know if you guys agree there's the div is the dividend structure there's uh positions positional issues and the matrix and i think that for me is the holy trinity of not just this but for me sorry to get all epic but the and these are and these are purely product driven things aren't this they? for me is so i'll just i'll finish sorry about it. this is this for me is the game. This is this is football okay. index. This is this is everything for me. Yeah. Right. So where are we going to kick off? Because you know. So let's let's kick off with the game. ASP. Can, yeah, no, sorry. Out of those three, what one do we dig into first? The Holy Trinity is ASP's label. <laughs> do you want to kick off with one of them, ASP? Uh, well, Fig mentioned positions, so let's go with that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fine. So, so you're you're quite uh, you're quite bullish on positionless. I'm, aren't you asp well, well i guess i'll just again I, this is really good actually because i've been thinking about this and i'll I, I hopefully get to talk less and hear, hear your guys view so I've, i view positions as having sort of three options one is as we have now and the way it is is we have overnight changes from opta without any warning which again if we're looking and i think we need to look at this everything in this context five years from now ten years from now billion multi-billion dollar market overnight changes to market caps and players of millions of pounds Again, I'm not saying that it has to change, but I don't think that's ideal. The only positive of that is you know what you're working with. 
so I'd say in relation to that, that's option one. Two is you score it on a game-by-game -game basis. Uh, they can change more frequently, but maybe that's too frequent because you don't really have the long-term, especially with the long-term USP of football index, you don't have the long-term visibility on your bet, but it's more accurate. And then third, I think, is positionless, where you don't have to worry about this, but then it requires quite a big redesign. So I don't know what your views on those three are. Now, I, sorry, Fig, I jump in. I, I want to talk about all of these because I'm, I'm so passionate about this, and I think this is going to be a really productive chat. I, I'm I'm sort of unsure on positions and where we go. I mean, I know people that work at um, some of the gambling syndicates in London and they spend a huge amount of money mapping positions, ensuring accuracy, um, because there's millions of pounds at stake. And I think I've been guilty in the past of not looking at where FI are going to be in five years' time. And I absolutely agree with ASP. We shouldn't be in a position where there's potentially millions of pounds locked up in a footballer and then opt to just change it overnight and it has a huge impact on your bet. That isn't professional and that's not what we want. But positionless also adds a layer of complexity. And when I heard um, the F is it FI Spoon, the guy who worked at Opta that was on your podcast, I was surprised at uh, maybe the lack of attention to detail and the casual nature he spoke about positions. And if Opta aren't nailing it, I'm a little bit concerned around how FI can manage that. I've been someone that wanted some something in the middle, i.e. Opta manage the positions and there is a six month biannual or maybe every quarter there is like a, a manual release or control in place at FIHQ and they can choose whether to update the positions or leave them. So they've got more control over it. So you're not at the whims of Opta changing things at four o'clock in the morning overnight like Alfonso Davis. But, so, but I, 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 I get that. Big? Yeah. No, so I'm, 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 really I'm, this, I'm not sure. positionless. You might call me crazy, but I think I'm the game by game. And I think I've talked about that for a little while, maybe, you know, even 18 months on the podcast when the ASP maybe first appeared on. But I just think like a quarter is one third of a football season, right? So from January to end of March, you've got... Um, you've got quite a lot of football paid in that period. You've got the knockout stages of the Champions League, Europa League... Let's take Quadrado, which is why the debate has been sparked mostly. If he plays at right back for those three months and he's a midfielder, he could quite significantly sway the way dividends move around, right? And people might not think that that's a long-term issue. But if you layer that on top of, let's say, Bayern getting injury to Pavard and another right back and Kimmich has to slot in there, but he's still a midfielder. He gets the he doesn't get the clean sheet bonus, even though maybe he should as a defender in those in those three months. I guess the 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 greater issue with this system that I think is probably the most effective is that one, you might have a situation where a James Milner starts off in midfield but then goes in defence. And then how do you how do you manage that? And I would probably say, well, you do it where he starts. Uh, and then the other thing is like, well, is a is a wing back a midfielder or a defender? Um, which I guess opens another can of worms. So there are what I'm trying to say is there is no perfect solution to this. Even ASP's probably preferred redesign of the whole thing and positionless it requires a lot of work and has huge ramifications for the kind of potential dividend payouts to all players on the market. But I do think that one thing is for certain, there are 100% movements to be to be made. And I think probably my frustration is greater that, not that it's not perfect, but that there is no line in the sand and that it is quite arbitrary and random. So if Sporting 
I nearly called you Sporting Panda. How formal. If Panda's um, solution of like give it like every month, the first day of every month positions are released or the first day of every quarter, blah, blah, blah. I might not be con- like happy with it, but I'd be content knowing that that's where I stand, if that makes sense. Yeah. Can I give an interim solution maybe? So if um, if, we, if we're sticking with Howard, and by the way, I don't know, I, positionless maybe, I actually don't know what the best answer is for this, but if we're going to stay with what we have now, I think the best thing if I could do in the interim was if you provide a record of the game day positions, then people can see the trend. Like with, for example, Davies last year, he was playing as a mid. But if people can see the record, I think this happens on who's score. You can see how many games they played in each position. So realistically, if you know that Quadrado has played the last three, four, and it keeps going up and up games in right back, then you probably have less of an issue and you can track the likely value change that's going to happen. Or you can at least not have any excuses if it does happen because you've seen that he's he's been playing as a right back. I feel like that could help a lot. Um, and then thereafter, yeah, I mean, thereafter, as I said, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer. I guess the other question is CS bonus. And this is what I want to maybe come on to later on. I don't have any issue with it necessarily, but it does cause more problems when you're talking about people, uh, players moving from defender to midfielder. So do we need it in the matrix? Again, I don't want to say we don't, but I'm just saying... I feel like these things need to be considered. And also just separately, why do we have a clean sheet uh, applied to defenders but goal conceded applied to all players? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> I know that's separate, mm. but I think all these mm. things, like you said, I don't know what the right answer is, but it needs to be looked at. Yeah, mm. I think we're all in agreement there. So, so that's that's positions. Next mm. is, let's let's you mentioned and referenced the, the matrix there, oh. uh, ASP. And uh, what, did you want to add no, something? No, I want to do dividend structure. Yeah, let someone speak, I guess, yeah. All right. Well, no, I was going to say, matrix-wise, when you were last on, we discussed, we had the debate, you know, PB Man, uh, Panda, myself, you and Lua Lua around the kind of impact versus volume. I I think the consensus was that um, there was some agree to disagree, but somewhere met in the middle on, on, on some things. Since then, have you kind of thought about that a bit more in how you think it should be changed and have the recent events of say the last three months compounded that i have but i feel like if i start talking i'm going to be talking a while so there's someone that's fine you're our guest all right fine all right (laughs) well yeah i mean nothing has changed in how i view the matrix i think um and it's hard sometimes to talk about the matrix because it's tied to the dividend structure and so sometimes the effect of it can be worse but i think Nothing has changed. I think from a footballing perspective, I still think the same things. You know, you could pick any example you want. You know, how do you differentiate between the performance, I don't know, a Firmino and a Nicardi, who are two totally different players, when all you really have to differentiate them is shots, goals, uh, and all these other things. I think um, the suite of actions, as I said out in the article, you know, not having passes into the box, final third, all these sorts of things. I, I think for me, my... Feelings on, that, feelings on that haven't changed. Um, I think, and, and again, it's hard to say under the current structure, but I think, again, in relation to Haaland, I look back a while ago, and I think he scored something like, under PB, 36 goals and 36 assists in, in 32 matches in the last year. And I think he's won four prior to this week. He'd won four P in divs. And again, I, I, the reason why I picked these stats out and Mbappe as well, I think he had 60 goals, 22 assists in 64 appearances in the last two years with 23p of divs. And the reason why I picked, and, and by the way, I'll happily say I own them, which is not the reason why I'm saying that. The reason why I'm saying that is if these are the inadequacies that apply to these two players, this bug will run throughout the whole game. And that for me is a broken game, 
regardless if it's Haaland or Mbappe or Caputo or whoever, and you could apply this to certain defenders or midfielders, whatever the issues are, these are fundamental issues that run throughout the whole game that I just think detract from it. And that's a summary. But yeah, in summary, my, my views haven't changed. They're, they're still as strong as they were. And as you mentioned there, the structure is tied to the matrix. And I think the structure is something that we've been talking about via DM quite a lot. And the structure is something that you've been, I guess, thinking about probably more than the matrix over the last three months. What are your issues with it currently and how uh how emphasized have those issues become with order books in place i think i as i was probably trying to explain but i guess the issue generally with fi with the matrix and the structure is that you want to have that feeling where you know and again you can talk about what does a good performance mean but most people know what a good performance is. And obviously, you know, that needs to be data back. But when you know that a player has played well, and sometimes really well, you just want to have the reward for predicting it and having bet on that player. And that just doesn't happen now because of a combination of the two. And again, the most recent example um, was, was it Haaland and Ronaldo? Um, four goals and two goals. Um, there are plenty of other examples. You know, there were examples last year with Mbappe. And I think... It's that angle where I think definitely the players that come up short but also play well, and I'd say that that and maybe if we want to put a flag in the ground because there are other things, but that's the first thing I'd say. I'd be interesting to hear your guys' view on because that for me is the, the I, I, excitement I, dampener at the moment. Correct, and I, I I've got to jump in. I feel really passionate about this. I mean, if you go back, Fig, to listen to our podcast on what we expected from the July dividend increase, hmm. we both mentioned a form of SMDP um, to provide a reward for performances and super just, match day dividend points for those. That, that yes. And, but bottom line is I just I strongly agree with ASP here that when I watch a football match, I believe that to get product engagement, the best thing is that if a footballer plays very well on my screen, that connects to my football index account and I get rewarded for picking a footballer that ultimately performs well. That to me is what the game's about and that adds product engagement. And I've looked at my own account and my own trading styles and it can't, I don't think it's coincidence that I trade mainly for media. And you know, you know, I obsess over that. I'm studying that all the time because yes, I like PB, but is it too much of a lucky dip? And are the wins too infrequent on this system? And does that lead to too much volatility and a lack of appetite for players across the whole market? You know, I, I want the whole market to feel tradable. And if you've got, uh, I don't know, Todd Cantwell, David Brooks, they're probably bad examples because they're not in the, the Premier League at the moment. But it's very, very hard for them to win PB um, because of the teams they play for. It's it's very difficult for them to win media. It's very difficult for them to get into team of the month. I, I would want, if I had the ability, and this comes back to trading my football knowledge, to think, right, they've got some good fixtures coming up. David Brooks, David Brooks has picked up form. If he goes out and hits a 250 PB, and that threshold is to be determined, but if he goes out and plays very well, I think I should get a micro win or some form of win in my football index account. And I just think that adds a whole leveling of engagement and stickability to the product and keeps people engaged on the apps. And it takes this platform to the next level because at the moment, I think there is some disengagement on match days. And sometimes if a 350 PB score comes out on lunchtime kickoff, 
you know, you, you think, well, that, that's done for the day. I would love to watch my players in my portfolio perform well and get rewarded for that. And that to me is the USP of the product, using my football knowledge to profit. So I'm not in favour of tiered PB personally. I don't, I'm worried about rewarding mediocrity. So on a bronze day or a silver day, if a footballer was to, to pick up a second or third place with a 90 or a 110 PB, I'm not so sure that deserves a payout. But again, open to all suggestions here. I think something around a new matrix with a, with a threshold-based performance and just rewarding excellent performances have got to be done because it doesn't look right to me when I have friends asking me, you know, Haaland scored four goals. Sadio, Mar- Sadio the, Mane. Mo Sa- all the time. Sadio Mane, Mo Salah last year, led Liverpool to a Premier League title. They hardly won. How is that right? You know, I, I just don't think it is personally, especially on an order book system. There's so much here. Yeah, I, I agree with, with everything. I mean, there's so much here. Um, the Liverpool front three thing. I think what you said about the media was really, really interesting. I think really important is media is a system where PB is so much more remote. So when something happens in media, like Sancho transfer or any transfer link, what the link between the event and the reward is very, very clear and very, very tradable. The link between a good performance and the reward is not. And that's basically what you said, which I think I think what you said on that is the headline of all of this. Um, the other thing as well is, again, it, which links to what you said as well, media is paid in a small amount every day. And again, I'm not saying that should happen, like you said, for average performances, but just that little bit of a win for, for, for that for that for that action um, that happens, I think would help. And it's just it just doesn't seem right. Like yesterday, I heard saw on Twitter people saying, "Oh, um, I hope Bruno or Rashford wins wins media," and that's fine. But I just think the emphasis on match stage really needs to be on the football, like so 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 strongly. It seems very, it feels very thin to me. Still, it feels like it needs to be much thicker. It needs to be much. Thicker. Mm. It's counterintuitive for the media to be uh, the main value driver for most of the top players on the platform, doesn't it? Well, uh, hang on, does it though? Well, because well, you know, to not, me, your worldwide stars are going to be in the papers and win media, and that's what makes them expensive and gives you the pricing depth. My, yeah, I suppose so. Is, my view on this is, I think, I've always thought this, I think during the season... I feel like performance on the pitch should be, and I, and that's why when I look back and people post these tweets of historical dividend returns, I see, and I'm not saying wrongly, but Sancho, Pogba, um, you know, Ronaldo, Messi, fine, but I just see so much media influence. And I, I personally think I would love to trade media on off days and, and, and off season, but I really feel like when football's on the pitch, it should all be about that. Mm. I, I disagree. And I think, media should be part of it even on game days because i think no a part it, of it just not so the, the, the ratio i think yeah sure I, I think you know if bruno scores a couple of goals uh, and performs really well gets taken off at 60 minutes media might or shouldn't be the only reward i, I wanted to pick up on a couple of things that we talked about before i think the engagement thing i don't disagree with but i think the actual bigger thing for me around this structure where you'd pay out say over 175 over 200 whatever it may be or or this tiered structure is actually that it adds liquidity and tradability on every player i think that is the first and foremost important thing over engagement because i actually think the massive adrenaline rush of the one player takes all is pretty big it's like 
betting on a horse and only one of those horses can win and i know you can you can bet each way etc but i think that's my opinion i think that isn't dampened by having more payouts but i think it it is still there in some way or some form the potential of winning i actually think that on betfair for example you have thousands of different tradable markets every day but they're short term in 80 percent of the cases with football index you have three thousand players that you can trade across their whole careers and now if you only have one mechanism or way of winning one position like uh one win factor if that makes sense so you have the the player a uh, positional win for each player and you have star man then it's harder to attribute value to every one of those players when the variance in what they could win is so big so player x could win 20p mpb one season or they could win one pound the likelihood it's probably somewhere in between and you can probably probabilistically estimate where in that range it could be but it's very hard to forecast the um the payouts and it's very then hard to value players now i don't think it should be either 20p or 40p in that range i just think that that maybe 20p to one pound range should be confined a little bit to allow enough variance to create really big spring uh swings and price rises and excitement and volatility but uh not too disparate to create the situation that we have now which i think is three thousand separate markets where many of them it's hard to find value on or the value is very sparse or um it comes and it goes um but if it's underpinned by actual dividends in, an, in another structure or another form then i think it, it would make a lot more sense from a liquidity and tradability standpoint rather than uh, the kind of adrenaline rush or um, the excitement and engagement factor, if that makes sense. Yeah, I just wrote some notes down very quickly while you were talking. I think <laughs> there's been a lot of chat this week, I think, about big and small traders or big and small accounts. And I think the thing about this or this idea or the goal, you both said it, and that, that for me is the key, is giving value to the whole market or as much of the market as possible to um, you know, smaller price players. Um, and, and that thing about Panda mentioned and the difference between media as well as media, those players come from nowhere with a rumor and spike. And I want to have the same thing on players' form, even if it's David Brooks or if it's Ben Mee. And again, only if they play well, but you know, Burnley fans to buy their player when they see him you know, or sell him when they know he's on the downside. That sort of trading the form of, of all the market, that for me is, again, that's where we get to a billion and, and I think just to add to that, it's not only form, but it's also if the game and the aim of the game is to trade your football knowledge, but the aim of the game is also to find good players before anyone else. The, you know, if a Gravenberg uh, isn't PB eligible for a while, but then kind of bursts onto the scene in a European standpoint those spikes and swings could be quite big. So if uh, Bakayo Saka comes out of the academy and startly, suddenly starts playing really well for Arsenal, you see a, a price rise that is very intuitive and in line with what you're seeing on the pitch, which is him getting minutes, getting points and breaking onto the scene. Absolutely. I think, I, and I don't know, maybe we can talk about this later. Team of the month is here now at the moment and I'm sort of half in, half out. But if you think about the impact of trading a player um, who potentially you think is going to play well and actually does play well, those monthly potential smaller dividends plus team of the month, plus maybe even a, a PBE win. There's, I think the trading cycles and angles could be really beneficial for traders and FI as well. Absolutely. That, that, that's my dream as well. ASP said, you know, around 
if you've got a, a group of Burnley fans and they're look at they're, they're watching their team week in week out, it'd be great for them to have an edge and buy a player and re- get rewarded because that player is playing well on the pitch. You know, it's just too difficult, I believe, to win PB on this system. And let me just say, I mean, people think I'm a one-trick pony and my love of index. Like, I know there are other products out there. And actually, funny story, I was offered a job at Footstock, but I'm not going to go down that path. And I also, I also know about the Sportstack model, and I studied, I've studied the models. And if we, if we say Sportstack, you know, they've offered career bets um, at the moment. And, you know, to me, that is personally a boring game. The lines have to be very sharp there. I think maybe Football Index is at the other end of the spectrum. And... It's very jackpot heavy. So if you win, you know, star man or best position, you get a jackpot win for that. And there's no real middle ground. I don't think we want to go all the way into the middle in this range. I still think we want, I'm positive we need to keep that excitement of a match day and a big jackpot win, a big PB win if you're best midfielder on a day. You know, just because I lost out by seven points of the night on Sancho and it was a huge win. That was very exciting to me, tracking that and watching his performance and egging on every shot and pass. But the idea that you just get nothing for arguably a world-class performance, that's the problem. And that's where we need, I think, to just find that balance. And obviously that's the fun part of this exercise for me. And, and I think what's important here is these ideas aren't coming out the blue. I think uh, Sam Friedman mentioned it on, on episode 100 of the podcast. I think EJ mentioned it on his uh, blog that he did. That was more with, tiered PB, wasn't it? First, second, third payouts. Uh, this, or was it S- Sam in uh, Sam on episode 100 mentioned tiered PB, but he said something that adds more value to players. So, right. you know, okay, okay. it's not, a, this isn't a novel idea. And I think um, EJ did the same thing a couple of years ago on the blog, which I referenced in the in the blog that I wrote this morning. Um, these aren't novel ideas. And FI have also been thinking about them. Um, not that I have any insider information, but they've been thinking about them in the actions that they've taken. So, well, we know they su- have. Super match day, yeah, super, super match day, day dividends, yeah. team yeah. of the month. These yeah. are all things that are trying to give out uh, added value to more players in different yes. ways. So, uh, you know, go on, sorry, uh, SP. No, no, carry on. Did you have something to say? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. I was, I was actually rambling. Say, <laughs> uh, I wrote uh, to a mate, FI, sorry, this may be not, not really PG-13, but FI kind of sometimes feel like having sex with two condoms on. It's like, it's, <laughs> you're kind of desensitized. This is gold dust. You're kind of, de- <laughs> you're kind of desensitized. <laughs> sometimes you feel a bit desensitized from the action and like quite underwhelmed by the experience of something that should be really really pleasurable and it kind of just doesn't feel right that's the way i describe no, it. no I, I, do you know what i think and asp said something earlier about the, the the thickness of the cord and the connection between the two like he's so right media connects to me through football index the game performance it, it's too thin that connection and mm. i think that and the double condom situation all the time <laughs> there, i mean yeah, that, that's a little bit. Uh, awesome. We've had crack cocaine and double condoms. What this guy gets up to in his spare time, I, I don't know. <laughs> the, the, other th- the other thing I think about this, Germany, is like, I hope, I think, again, I don't want to sound like I'm lecturing, but I think there should be an appreciation that this thing, I don't know if people want to Google the launch of performance bars. Like when you see how, like, the Matrix itself, when it was first launched, the draft one and the dividend structure, like, this is a system, and this is good. This is a good um, comparison to order books. I think this is a system, not to be like, disrespectful, but was basically designed when Mike and Adam McKeeran were sat around a table trying to keep the lights on on a business they didn't know was going to exist, with probably Kieran on an Excel spreadsheet. And we're a totally different company now. And just like order book, 
root and branch revolutionization of where we want this to go, I think, again, there needs to be an appreciation that this is a system that was designed in a totally different context. And obviously, things have been bolted on to try and make it work. And I'm not saying some or all of them are wrong, but like positions, I think given where we are now and where we want to go, this as a whole needs to be looked at in, in the same way as order books has. Couldn't agree more. And it, I was probably too harsh with the market reset discussion and and that. But to me, this is a brand new game now. And what an opportunity for the community and for us to now drive this to a billion pound company. I think it goes way above that. And maybe I'm being lofty there. But clearly, I think there's work that needs doing. It's a new game. We've got a new order book mechanic in. This is a golden opportunity now. I think to grab hold of it and and look big, have vision and make this a world-class product, because if it isn't, then we're just going to float around. And, you know, I, I think now's the time not to be afraid of change and to push on. And I probably was too guilty in the past of being comfortable. Um, so, you know. So, so we've, t- we've talked about the game. I'm just yep. wary of time. Uh, yeah, let's sorry, talk a bit yep, about yep. what the next section I'd call was the market. Right. So this is the actual fundamentals of we've talked about what underpins the value in terms of the the game and, and how that works. The market, what I'm talking about here is the mechanisms within it, the liquidity, the depth and how we see that evolving um, in the next, I don't know, three, six, 12 months, however long. ASP, I'm, I'm sure you've got a lot to say here in how you see this develop, um, even though I know that the, the game part is probably your, closer to your heart and your specialty. But it seems as though currently we are in a situation where, and I think I, I tweeted this the, on the day, the Friday or the Saturday, the Friday night where I saw the prices fall down. And I tweeted something along the lines of like, like fi basically twi- uh, chose which line they wanted to go down they 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 chose the depth side where they ripped the band-aid off and, and let it fall to whatever price but we were basically either way in a situation where the context wasn't fit for what the purpose was um and i think now even now with the situation that we're in the context of how these mechanics and the lack of liquidity and the depth work doesn't re- it's all quite higgledy-piggledy into the kind of vision that fi need to kind of try and evoke wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I agree. It's been, um, and again, this isn't just putting the boot down. It's just an objective assessment. It hasn't, you know, as I said, it hasn't been done that well. It hasn't been done well. It's been, as you said, higgledy piggledy. I think for me now, uh, I mean, I, or I guess next two or three months or next couple of months for me, I personally, I don't know, you, you guys may disagree. I don't think, I feel like order books have been treated as something which are way more complex than they actually are and a community that obviously you have varying levels of degrees of sophistication, but I feel like they're almost treated like, you know, cavemen discovering fire. Like it's, but I don't think, you know, the way people have adjusted to the iteration of depth, I think everyone's pretty much fine with it. And for me, I don't want to see so many sequential additions. I would rather see one big next, um, you know, improvement to the next phase. And then maybe one final one. And I don't want to see, I want to keep the momentum. I think we're settled. I think everyone's happy pretty much with where we are now. I want to move on to the next phase. And then I want to, I want to just get it finished. I want this sort of period to be, to be over. And so we can all just settle. I don't know if you agree. Yeah. I do think for that to happen, 
the amount of things that need to be changed or maybe iterated, added and evolved is pretty big. I mean, we currently have uh, depth that doesn't cover the VWAP in some instances. We currently have no market makers offering liquidity either side. And we currently don't have the tools that traders need to provide more organic liquidity, which is pretty ironic considering it's one of the main facets that we're currently missing. So we can't build a bid on multiple players with the same cash balance, which I think I've, I've been against previously but I've, I've kind of come a, come a, um, around to I think we can't bid and set, uh, uh, offer on the same player which I think will be awful with the, the current way that the, the bid zones are constructed because I think it's going to be it's just going to be manipulator heaven for people um, and I also think there are other elements smaller elements like being able to edit bids and having offers and, and and bids on different tabs just removing as much friction as possible for traders to provide as much organic liquidity as possible mm. one other thing that God, I'll just say one other thing I, to me if the end vision is a completely fully transparent you know uh, visibility of depth you can place bids and offers anywhere across the market um, a VWAP potentially of about 300 I think we need a lot more in place first. And I'd also like to know the controls they have around price manipulation, not just editing bids and having liquidity on board. So I agree that we don't want to keep fiddling with it and tweaking it. And you want to keep that progress up and ultimately get to the end state. But obviously the timing of it, again, I use the word delicate. I just think that I don't know that that's in management hands. And I do want things to progress like ASP, but I'm conscious that there's quite a lot to do to get us to the end state. Can I give a rough uh, plan of what I would, what I think and tell me sure. if you agree. So we, if we say before Xmas and before Christmas and before January, I say before Christmas increase in depth to maybe 10 auto refresh auto refresh on prices because um, I know maybe this isn't for you or for me, but some people share issuance information clarification, even though I think they have done, but just kind of re- reiterate their position on share issuance to everyone. Um, ability to multi- uh, make multiple offers with no offer ceiling. Uh, FI versus trader offer stack priority, how that works, information on manipulation. And that's all I have for before Christmas. And then January, end of January, I've got um, full depth, um, be able to click on depth to buy and sell, share numbers of volumes, match notifications, graphs, and potentially 300 VWAP. And then, yeah, liquidity, I I actually don't think that's going to, you know, that's probably going to be a bit longer potentially. But, yeah, that's sort of the rough. Everything from pre-Christmas I ticked off. I'd probably tie your end of January items and try and match that with liquidity coming into the market. So maybe end of Q1, maybe there's a bad, like, a pushback there from me. But all the items on the list make all the sense in the world. Mm. I think, you know, the the market maker and, and liquidity point is something that people have treated and have, I guess, seen as the holy grail, haven't they? Um, which they are seeing as they come in and prices go up, um, which is totally not the case. They give us the foundations potentially um, to have a thicker market, a more confident market, and then prices might rise as a as a... Um, uh, a byproduct of that but they aren't going to come in and just buy and hold players which i think something is something that people um have misunderstood a little bit about how market makers are going to work um but yeah all of, all of that i agree with um when liquidity comes in i'm not too sure um but i would tie it in as panda mentioned i think when you're kind of removing if you're removing stabilizers i think they need to, they can't have any more slip-ups anymore um it has to be it has to be executed correctly with with the right things around it and liquidity i think is is key 
Um, I mean, the last thing that I want to talk about before we would maybe talk about que- uh, questions is, I guess, the company, right? And these might these are some of the things that I think might fall in under the market or game category. But I think for me, there are two things that I maybe wrote. Uh, one of them that I wrote on the blog, uh, and maybe one of them that we talked about on the podcast. But one is um, rewarding users that have kind of stayed through this tough time. And two is really reiterating um, the long-term USP of the bet and also finally confirming to us as traders, uh, people who are part of this company in a weird way due due to this bottom business model, that this is the vision and this is the way that FI are going rather than kind of like in-play dividends, increased PB, 5X IPDs, team of the month, like which way is it going? I think for me, some sort of um some sort of reward for the loyal customers that have provided liquidity when if i haven't since july and i think also the idea of a career bet or the ability to recycle or something along those lines or maybe even just giving information around how you can view this bet as longer than three years i think are two really key components for me that are part of those macro things that fi need to look at yeah i think um I think the second one as well is huge. The first one, yeah, look, I'll just, I don't have any problem saying this. I, I on paper, lost a million pounds over the last three months before the market recovered. And I think, you, you, you've got to laugh at that, don't you? Yeah, you do. But at the same time, I think, again, and again, I'm not, I'm not looking for pity, but I just think in the context of the community, you know, we have this big, small thing. But, you know, the fact is, you know, everyone's in the same boat. You know, £10 to one person is £10,000 to another person. But, you know, the big traders in this period, a lot of them, had they acted differently, I, you know, I think it could have been fatal for FI. Um, and that is no, um, that shouldn't be something I think that's taken for granted. Again, whether whether that was a big trader or even a, a smaller trader, if I think, I think genuinely in this period where it was the Armageddon and the crisis for FI, uh, I think those that basically, I said this before, that ran into a burning building, when the market was crashing um, and provided maybe you know, drop in the ocean, but still some form of liquidity to maybe slow what happened or, or, or stop it earlier. I think um, at, at the crisis hour and at the moment of, of calling, I think, I think they, for me, they have to be rewarded in some way. I agree. I, I agree with that um, wholeheartedly. And I'd, I'll pick up the other, the other item uh, fig on your agenda, which is the career bet situation. And again, something along with the dividend structure I'm very passionate about, and it's crept into the community, arguably fairly, that, you know, the bet at the end of three years, there is a risk if the market is this thin, that your bet gets wiped to zero. And I think if you can offer, you know, well, let's let take a step back quickly. On the balance sheet of, of Football Index, my my impression from the outside is that you've got a current liability payable within 12 months, which is your dividends payable and that's set at a fixed rate because they issue that statement you've then got two years of extra dividends payable which sits as a non-current liability and i don't know how they'd book those because they haven't issued what the dividend payouts will be year two and year three um to turn that into a career bit and open it up over a whole career it, it, it's it, 
it's, it's, I don't think it's feasible. I would love it, but I think we'd have to accept losing out on match day dividends, and that goes against the product and against the excitement. What I think you can do is offer an auto renewal button. So to give some comfort that you can recycle those shares with the house against the house for a fixed fee at the end of three years and continue to hold your player for six years. I mean, look, I think if you are an above average trader, I think you can use peaks and troughs of the market. And I, you know, I've managed to do a fair amount uh, with some of my holds. You can recycle them manually over time as they play well and, and, and dipping in and out of form. But just that blanket, the comfort blanket it gives you to think, right, I can be a passive trader if I want to. I think long-term holds, the USP of the product that your bet isn't wiped after 90 minutes. You can use your football knowledge to bet on footballers' careers as the career progresses and the career arc goes up. You know, It's the psychology of it. Because otherwise, if you put a countdown timer on and you see your bet counting down two years, a year and a half, with this thin market and with the the community I think we have and some of the nature of it, I think you're asking for trouble and a lot of downward pressure. So that auto renew button, and I don't know what the maths is behind it. I don't know how the fee works. I just think it would be an absolute game changer for the market and we'll well, take it to the next If level. FI can profit from it. Why not? And, you know, it does some of those things that you've just mentioned. I can't see it being a loser at all. No, and, and also long-term holding. I love short-term holders, medium-term. I mix and match my styles. But I think if you've got a, a foundation in certain players and they're not jumping up hugely volatile, up and down 60 70%, 25% on one match. Now, if, if you, I think big money comes into the market and big holds in players come into the market. If you've got that um, psychological boost that you can click a button and refresh every three years for a fixed fee, it, to me, it's a no-brainer. I think I think what Panda said for me, especially if we're talking about this last three months and the next three months, if this, I don't know how long this takes, but say this can be done Q1, Q2, this for me would be, I think, the biggest thing that's happened to the index in a long time until we fix the dividend structure and matrix. Um, but yeah, I think this would be, if we can, I don't know if it's possible to even extend the current um, period just by even a year or two, but if not, if it's three years, and that's better for everyone. That's better for dividends. The auto refresh, not only for, I think for now with the, with, the, with the way the community works, if this information was was clear and this thing was put to bed about you know not being able to sell or all that stuff, I think you get in which is which is rubbish anyway. Yeah, right. it's rubbish. It's rubbish. But I think you get I think you get in a week like twenty percent on the market cap. Genuinely agree. I think agree. It's Every huge. everyone I speak to would throw a lot of money in on that announcement. I think yeah. it's huge as well. So yeah, I think ASP and I are in. I'd even sell more of uh, my uh, belongings that I've done in the last three months to put some more money in. But, um, <laughs> sell the gold dust outfit in the blonde wig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, and you can tell me, um, you can tell me, you can tell me, um, you can tell me this is like a pipe dream, but just hypothetically as well, imagine, say, for example, this is something that does get, you know, more institutional money in or retail, uh, you know, f- fun money in hypothetically. And that may be something ridiculous to some, but say hypothetically, or even just a lot of very wealthy people that are playing it. Again, what Panda said, imagine what do you want to do to incentivize these people to, to deposit a lot, to hold, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 shares in players. You want them to have that recycle bottom. Like that's such a big, um, you know, cachet for them. And I think, again, just whether it's now or in five or t- 10 years, that suggestion for me is is absolutely huge. And, and the thing is, it's like it's like the, the macro level of this company. Like taking, where do how do they want to market this? What type of customers do they want? And do they want people to you know? Surely you want people to to play the game, be engaged with it, and and 
and bet on footballers. I mean, that's that's magic. And this button, I believe, helps unlock and answer those three questions and, and moves them on significantly. So, you know, mm. something that I think ASP and I both feel passionately about, Fig. Mm. Well, I think we should probably do questions now. We've got 20 okay. minutes left. I think it's time for them. Unless, ASP, have you got anything that you want to add to before we move on to questions? Well, the only thing I was just going to ask on was position on, because, uh, again, this relates to order books and now is the position on IPOs. Because, mm. and again, tell me what you think. But for me, as much as I love, and there are obviously lots of exciting players in the world, or even maybe slightly older players that aren't resistant, but, you know, would love to get involved. I think that's a big potential drain on liquidity right now. Yeah. Mm. Um, I agree. And then, but this is the other. So, so I guess if you both agree, that's that's good. But then I guess the, the other thing is long-term IPO strategy. Because again, I, I personally feel like. I'll just put the suggestion out there. I don't necessarily think that IPO should be a sort of higgledy-piggledy drip-fed thing throughout the season. I almost feel like there needs to be a window where, because again, if you've got to bet on someone um, and, you know, you're say you're someone that's all fully invested in FI and an IPO comes up in two weeks, it may be very difficult for you to move maneuver positions or, or sell, or maybe you don't want to, to get involved in an IPO. But maybe is there a case for having them all in a block for example, at the beginning of the season or in the off-season in a summer marketing campaign. I'm just trying to think around strategy. You see, this ideas. this is interesting. I'm not sure. We, we spoke, we speak, we've spoken a lot, sorry, on this podcast around engagement with the product. And the only challenge to that is if you have an exciting youth prospect that starts off in the youth setup, but halfway through the season breaks yeah. into the first-team squad and Makoko, has example, bursts yeah. onto the scene. Yeah, but you'd be nice to have the opportunity to buy that player. So maybe a quarterly IPO release or something. Yeah, so what, so so what not... I'm saying is, I, I I agree. The fundamental point, and I should have said this, is you should be you should be able to buy the player well before they break out. Right? You should. You don't okay. want to have to. You don't want to have to. I don't think you should bat. So, for example, Makoku. Now, for me, this is the value of FI. The value of FI is not in him being IPO'd now when he's breaking into Dortmund's first team. It's him being IPO'd. Obviously, he's 16, so it's an extreme example. But imagine right. he's 18. Yeah. I think the value is, you know, picking up someone from Man United's academy when they're 17, and then they start in the first team two years later. That, for me, okay. is, is... Now, you're dreaming big here, and I this is where I've been guilty, as I keep saying, of not, but don't you think that is quite a way away with the liquidity in the market at the moment? Like, that's the dream of where this product needs it to is, end up. I don't think how many people, uh, with the risk, and this is the key thing, I think, I what I would hope is that I don't want, going back to dividend-backed players, I really don't want when liquidity providers come in, I really don't want to see a situation where that risk is taken away on, on, on these you know, very high-risk bets, whether it's you know, young players or whoever. Like, I would really like to see, again, if you, if you take the risk on a 17-year-old, you get the reward. But I can't see a lot of people doing that until there's a lot of information to base that decision off. And even then, I think when the number of players, because again, the number of players that will actually make it from any youth uh, year it's probably minutely small so when people again see that that doesn't happen and they actually lose I, again i feel like that's a that's a good angle but maybe yeah from the fi business though is there an argument that if you release the ipo at a later date you're going to make far more money on minting the shares and getting a higher yes, price for them? absolutely yeah absolutely well but mm. then i mean surely his price would go up anyway over time yeah but if you've issued a lot of bets at a cheap price you're on the hook for those aren't you 
So let's say yeah. you IPO Makoko yeah. two yeah, years right. ago. Yeah. You're going to get far less money yeah. in than now Absolutely. when you're going to get five or a share for him and yeah. start bidding off there. You're right. Start the bidding off at five pounds straight to the top of the <laughs> index. Christ, no, <laughs> I've, I've tipped my hand there on the Dutch auction. <laughs> I shouldn't have, I shouldn't you're, have gonna get, you're, you're gonna get overcut by a penny. Yeah, I know. He's gonna come out at eight fifty or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Right. Let's let's get into some questions, Pandy. Far away. Go on, uh, Ginger Pirlo. Um, Maradona is the greatest talent the game has ever seen, in my opinion. If you had first pick of any player in their absolute prime for your eleven, who would be your first pick? <sighs> I think Maradona is the most talented ever, for sure. But I think we have to. I think this question we have to to make it a touch more interesting. What about we have to have seen them? Okay. In their prime. Uh, is it for a one-off game, or am I building a? What is it? Is five a side? Any player in their prime for their just? I don't know. For your eleven. For my eleven. I, I mean, it's hard to look past the um, ninety-one goal calendar year. Messi, is it? Yeah, for, I think so. Messi. Yeah, I would say that, but I guess just to make it interesting, um, well, actually, it's difficult because then you've got Cristiano Ronaldo. I've always, in all of these questions, I just, my default always goes back to Ronaldo number nine, phenomena. Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think probably it has to be Messi. Uh, just another quick one. This is just to follow up with Ginger Pilo, giving him two bites of the cherry here. Any targeted purchases for all of us on Black Friday? As in actual real life things not yeah, actual football yeah like I, no 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 <laughs> like as in like, i've actually I'm done assuming. loads of buying this week before black friday which might be stupid of me um so i've ordered a new mic as you well know panda okay yeah no um mic. which yeah there was one in stock and i, I screenshotted it to you and i said i'm getting it before you <laughs> yeah i know because you're worried my two big bug well passion not passions but weird things i seem to collect are toothbrushes and headphones what so you collect I'm, toothbrushes well, I seem to always be buying new electrical toothbrushes and flipping back and forth between the kind of Sonic or Sonicare toothbrushes and then the Oral-B kind of oscillating head ones. So, okay. I don't know, chances are electric toothbrush Black Friday. ASP, yeah. anything? I'm going to have to be boring here. I don't really ever get involved in this. I just kind of look and then it's a lot of stuff I don't need. So probably <laughs> <laughs> not re- maybe some gold dust wigs. I don't know. I can't, yeah. can't, okay, fair I enough. Sorry, think about the other. Old man FI here from the the, Fig Patreon Discord. Mm. Uh, Now that it can be assumed a lot of those sitting on balances have spent up on the recent rise, will the market become illiquid again? And as a result, will we see drops in the coming weeks, Panda? Really hard. I don't think so. Again, I I know I've been critical of this weak hand, flush them out, they've got to leave the market, and I felt... But I do think there's something in that. Um, as in maybe more jittery traders or some that were looking to kind of milk FI and then exit have gone now. So there are shares probably in more hardy holders and it probably will be harder to get bids accepted. Um, so I don't think we're going to have a crash anywhere near like we did, obviously famous last words here, but there's potential to see slight drop-offs on certain players that are near their peak. I think it's probably case-by-case dependent, obviously. You know, we had a good midweek with the Champions League with household names playing well and pushing on for PB. So I'm I'm hopeful, cautiously optimistic for a period of stability. ASP? Yeah, I'd agree. I think, um, I mean, I said before way back that I thought after the big bounce back, you'd then see smaller uh, rises and falls till more of an equilibrium with with even smaller mm. rises and falls. But, and I don't know whether we're in that, but... Uh, I don't. I think I agree. I think I think things all think I think things all settle down reasonably. So uh, going forward, 
Um, it's one from De Kaiser, and you can say no comment. This is ASP. How many Greenwood are you holding now, ASP? How do you see him going over the next year? Uh, oh, so that's a good question. Uh, more than I did um, before. I top, yep. definitely topped up during this period. Again, way too yep. high than I probably could have gone for. Good. This is a really interesting question. Where do I see him going this year? I think. Where do I see him going? I don't think he'll. It, you know, in general terms, it'll, it'll go that far. Um, I think he could go. I've always, I always thought, even the level he's at now, if used in a certain way and given a certain prominence and responsibility and focus in the team, I think he could absolutely explode. But I don't think he will go that far. I think um, obviously he's had some issues recently. Um, mm. You've got um, Cavani coming, who I in, 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 in at this time, you know, I think is a really good option for Man U at nine. Rashford and Martial, senior players, again, maybe people disagree. I, don't, I think Greenwood is, is at least on their level even now, but he's mm. just got um, all these factors. And then obviously Sancho potentially coming, you know, even though I hold him and I believe in his talent, and I, I do believe that will explode at some point, whereby these other factors just aren't even a good negotiation. I actually think this year probably, he probably may not even go very far in, in those terms. I guess, would you say, is it, I don't know, is your Greenwood my Sancho? <laughs> you know, are you, are you as is he the, the sort of footballing love I, of your life? Uh, let's see. Now, I guess in terms of players, I'm most excited about their potential. Yes, definitely Haaland. Um, but again, for me, I, I just we, you, we mentioned this earlier with Haaland and Mbappe, and obviously Mbappe is you know the suite of skills is is phenomenal. Haaland again limited, I think outside the box somewhat. Um, Greenwood, I just look at him and I see, other than in the air, which again could develop, just his technical level, both feet, his finishing, yeah. um, even I think really underrated his dribbling, um, which is again mm. coming through with the power and the step overs. Mm. And I think even as well, if he was given, which he won't because of Bruno, more creative um, power, I just think, I, I for me, yeah, he is he is someone who I'm, I'm probably I, most excited about. I, I, I'm, I'm fairly convinced he is the future of Manchester United. I think... You know, he, he put on some muscle, obviously through COVID, and but still, I, you know, to play a number nine role back to goal that that's really tough. And I thought he was showing up badly against um, Arsenal at home. I thought him and Rashford were dominated, to be honest. Couldn't hold the ball up, couldn't link play, and he's got he's got a lot of maturing to do. But Definitely. technically, as ASP said, like it's, it's phenomenal to me. And um, it's it's yeah. hard though when you're like 17 and you go up against like a, a Goliath like Gabriel. It's oh know, he was brilliant it, that game, Gabriel. Yeah, yeah. They they were getting no change out those centre backs. It, it's and, tough. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. Joe right. Stoker here from Discord. You've mentioned recently you've been betting more or getting back into betting. How have you how, have you made any good wins on football bets recently, Panda? Um, yeah, I have. I showed, I showed. I actually shared a few bets in on the group. Yeah, I'm kind of back up and running. Um, had a really good run of it. Um, you know, people say, oh, you deleted the app. And um, I deleted the app whilst I, the Football Index app, sorry, whilst I was waiting for depth to come in. Now I've got it back and it's engaged me again. But I just felt the market wasn't too tradable when I was a blind trader. So I've got back into the sports betting. Obviously, I share some things with you, Fig. Probably not relevant for, for this podcast, but it, it's going well. But again, I um, I won't go full time back to that because of current life circumstances. And FI is still the love and the passion. <laughs> I've got a quick one here from Josh Josh him as well in the uh, Discord. With the Euro groups now finished, can you give us a winner, dark horse, and big failure? ASP, do you want to take that first? Oh, I, I need to see the groups. Do you want to, That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> well, you want me to read every single group out? Uh, no. Let me... Google it. Uh, if you give me a second. Okay, group A. What's the question? 
So the so give us your winner for the whole for the whole tournament. Oh, your dark horse and your failure. Oh, the whole tournament. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Winner, dark horse, and failure. Winner. I'm gonna just be obvious and say France. Um, mm. Dark horse. How dark can we get? Because I guess some countries. <laughs> I mean, I'd say maybe Italy, a dark horse. Okay. Okay. Because then they haven't actually been. They didn't qualify last time, did they? Yeah. Yeah. A big failure. Yeah. Uh, big failure. Um, Spain. Mm, okay. Panda. Yeah. Um, dare I say England? Although we've got a lot of ta- as a failure, but okay. maybe that's harsh because we do have a lot of talent. But I worry about the utilization of that talent and the progression of the team under Southgate. Um, okay. Hard to look past France. Um, I, I, Belgium could be failure too. It's mm. a fairly aging offensive side, isn't it? And yeah. depending on Hazard's form as well, obviously De Bruyne. I mean, Lukaku's obviously playing well at Inter, but Belgium or England maybe is failures. Mm. And the other two, are, I'll just go with ASP. Well, I think one of the failures is definitely going to be Portugal, France or Germany because they're in the same group. So one of those won't That's a good point. go through, will they? Because only two, no. two can through, go through from each group. Is that right? Uh, was there a third so. place? Yeah, I was just looking at this table and I realised it was Euro 2016. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're out of the equation. Yeah, um, I think Tur- Turkey could be a dark horse. Don't, not that I think I've, they'll win it, but... Stout listen. at the back. Yeah, Stout at the back. They've got uh, Yassisi. Yassiki, who seems to be Yassi- playing for the Yassiki? month. Yeah, 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 decent yeah. player. Chengazinda as well, who seems to be doing all right. I, I, I tend not to... Be- people ask me these questions, like who's going to win the Super Bowl, who's going to win. I tend not to make long-term predictions because I, I, you know, I treat my betting week by week because form... Um, off-field factors, injuries, they just play such a huge part and I think you need to, need to be in tune. So that's why I kind of um, look on a week-by-week week and don't project too far. But I've got one, one last one from the Discord and this is yeah, directly please. to you. Who, me or ASP? Uh, to, to you, uh, Panda. Right. Um, uh, where was it from Grills? One for Sporting Panda from an account perspective. If the three-year bet needs to be placed... Uh, in place to reduce FIs to liabilities held on the balance sheet. Doesn't the shares recycle button create a contingent liability and so can't be implemented for the same reason? So, oh, that ta- now see that this does take, I haven't done accountancy for what a decade almost. So this does take me back. So a contingent liability is something where there's a potential for you to incur a liability. And I think if you deem it in the accounting world, more likely than not, that maybe you're going to lose a litigation case, you would have to book a reserve for that. Um, in terms of this auto recycle button, uh, I might have to think about that and come back next week. I mean, I, I look at it a little bit like an insurance company that continually move their reserves based on projections. So I kind of look at it as like a cumulative dividend liability that would just roll on and move year by year by year. So I'm not sure how much difference it would make. Does it, must, does it matter also if they can display the time of when those shares on average are recycled. So if they're recycled way towards the end um, versus earlier on, does that suggest that, um, you know, if obviously if, if, if when, a, when a normal share is bought and sold, you're creating a new liability. If you sell it, if, if you sell and buy quite quickly, that new liability is created quite soon. But if they're all issued later, does that somehow affect you know, how the liability? I, I mean, I mean, see to, to me, it's based on shares in circulation, the, right. the dividend liability would be. So if we keep moving them around between us and replenishing them, um, as long as the shares in circulation is the same, they probably know roughly 
you know, sh- dividend per share they've got, or there's some form of cumulative calculation. Yeah. Um, the minting of it is a, is a new kind of element. And we've actually got a question on that, haven't we, somewhere? Which gets me out of that sticky question from the Discord. Uh, I can't find it, but well, let me just quickly see. Uh, look, we've got some stuff on the issuance curve. So one from Danilo here. Um, what are your thoughts on the current issuance curve? Are players at their all-time high, subject to a much uh, bigger potential downside than upside? with 900 shares to raise prices versus uh, one blah, 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 blah. Okay, so just thoughts on the issuance curve and where we are. And is that is that a strategy? Well, I think people, maybe, is it a strategy? Maybe. But I think people are looking at this very short term in terms of the issuance curve. I really do think that at one point, FI will be so big from a volume and liquidity standpoint that we won't even notice players that are at all-time high we won't even notice FI issuing bets. Yeah, ASP? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what the actual question is. I mean, they... I guess the question is, is there a strategy around... I mean, I look at... Okay, so I look at someone like Jao Felix, who I adore as a footballer and love, and um, he's at an all-time high, I believe. So as a player's at an all-time high, there appears to be walls of about... I don't know what the Jao Felix one is. Maybe it's 700 or 400. There's obviously FI walls that you need to work through because above all time high, the only way to take a bet out on Jao Felix is against the house. Mm-hmm. Whereas somebody that's a long way off their all time high, the journey to get back there is obviously just trader sure. resistance. Yeah. I, the answer is to be honest, I, I don't, I don't know more in the context of with all these things, given how new it is, I don't know. And like Fig says about the future, if this is, if this is just how it starts and then in the future, it, you know, it changes. I, I, I don't know. So I'm not, re- I'm not willing to make any definitive judgment on it. Mm, mm. It's just something the, the, that is, I think it would be better. As I said, if, if, if football index explained to people again, just purely to understand, you know, what the strategy is there. Yeah. There's a good thread for people out there today. If you look through uh, Lee B's tweets, SOTD, Sam F, um, there's been quite a good discussion. I think Mel, um, uh, MDJ, is it the account? They were discussing issuance curves. Personally, I don't see a problem with it. I always understood it. The only confusion may be, let's say you've got a player that was a pound all-time high. FI have bought back a lot of those bets, so maybe 20p's worth. So therefore, the all-time high drops down 20p to become 80p, and therefore you may see FI minting shares again back at 80p, 81p, 82p. That presumes that, that they've bought to- them back. Yeah, that's right. Because as they buy them back, obviously, they they then cancel that liability that they've got on that footballer. So I I don't see any issue with this, really. Um, I I just think they need to clarify it. I mean, again, I I don't really mind, but I've just seen a lot of people asking about it. So I just think they should just have something on it. Hmm. Uh, Panda, any others that you want to rattle through before we wrap up? Um, If you go... Uh, in light of the sad news, loss of Maradona, another Maradona-themed question. This is a very hard one, though. What price at their prime, and which one is king of the index? Maradona, Messi, Ronaldo, or Pele? Uh, hard for me hard, to say, really. Hard for me yeah. to say. Yeah. Pele winning guess... the World Cup at 17? With Brazil? Yeah, to be, yeah, like, to be, but then yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't in a PB in league. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So it'd probably be Maradona from 86 to 90, the yeah. rock and roll footballer. The Na- I do think the connection between Naples and Maradona is one of the coolest things in sport. Like I've been to Naples and 
I found it quite edgy. And as soon as I left the train station, I kind of, it had an air, like, I don't know, slightly intimidated walking around it, but just the grittiness and the character that Naples has and that connection to Maradona and obviously winning two titles there, the 86 World Cup performance, people I speak to that I respect that like football and a little bit older than me, they say the 86 performance was the the greatest tournament performance of all time. Mm. Even I watched the YouTube compilation and his creativity and the passing is just out of this world. So I'd go maybe Maradona. SP? Um... I gotta go. Wasn't it? Was it? He won three or like two. He won successive World Cups, didn't he? Who Pele? Yeah, I think it was successive World Cups, probably in like the fifties and sixties. So I think I probably him for me. I think I think he won three over like fifteen years. So yeah, I think him probably for me. Uh, Fi Partridge here. Question for ASP: Who's going to be back from the shadows first, Adam Cole or the Undertaker? <laughs> 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 I think I think he said this before, but the legend of the Undertaker never dies. So yeah, correct. I tell you, what, Vince looked really old in that ring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he did look old. Finally, um, oh, yeah. yeah. I think Adams. I think Adams probably just the company's grown. He's taken. He maybe just a natural step back in terms of hierarchy where other people he uh, just has a more executive role. So, but definitely mm. the Undertaker. Okay. Think anything from you? No, I think I think you need to go. So I think that's what we've got time for, really. Um, okay. Who's the most handsome player in your portfolio, ASP? Oh, again, I feel like I need to look, but then I feel like if I say that, it raises questions over my sexuality, which again isn't a problem. Just for just to be clear. Yeah, I don't. I don't why would that be an issue? No, no, it's not an issue. But no, uh, no. it would just it would just be against my natural orientation. But let me have a look ah. because uh, yeah, have a quick look. Yeah, um, I'll have a look too. See who my most handsome here. is. Oh, interesting. God, it's slim pickings. <laughs> <laughs> he looks quite handsome in the photo, Lorenzo Pellegrini. Rainier. Um, Rainier got a very few. Rainier's not bad. But he's obviously young. He's got age on his side, doesn't he? Yeah, he's got the youthful exuberance yeah. and glow to his skin tone. <laughs> Fonzo Davies isn't bad looking. <laughs> No, I he's think, not. I think we'll hair. probably wrap great, this one up hair. here, won't we? Okay. Um, <laughs> last one for me. This is from FI Jim, fan of myself. He says, hi, Panda. <laughs> fan of my... yourself. <laughs> yeah, fan, big fan of me. Always writes to me. As per your promise, my promise last week when you failed to answer my FI question, you're getting a random word-generated question. Would you rather have wolf fur all over your body, you're only allowed to shave it once a year, or would you have a wolf's tongue and teeth? Um, well, that's an easy one. I'm pretty much covered in wolf hair anyway. So I'm happy to have the wolf hair for a year. Really? I mean, yeah. Probably and take- then I could just veat it or shave it. I've got a long device that I uh, use to sh- shave my back if, uh, you know, my missus can't. So, yeah, it doesn't bother me. Mm, okay. And, and hairy backs are coming back in fashion anyway, as I keep saying. They haven't caught on yet, but they will. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, uh, Panda, where can people find out? Actually, this has been my favourite Panda cast to date. And I hope the community enjoy it. And there is a lot of feedback, engagement, because I think that um, we, all, we all can play a part in this. So at Sporting underscore Panda. Uh, ASP, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate you taking the time and uh, putting up with Panda. Where can people find out more about you? No problem. Uh, yeah, at, uh, at SP Football Index uh, is where you can find me. Thanks. Brilliant. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Let us know what you thought on social media and so on and so forth. Um, whatever you're doing, have a great day and uh, we'll catch you next week on the Fitcast Extra. Bye.